Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Army and fellow music fans, I'm Kayla. And I'm Bethany, and we're the hosts of Standing BTS from the Consequence Podcast Network. We're a bi-weekly show that covers the impact and legacy of K-pop group BTS. We mix the perfect blend of research and fangirl as we take a deep dive into lyrics during album reviews, theorize over music videos, and keep up with their current events. No BTS topic is off limits. We welcome everyone into the conversation, whether you're a casual fan, committed ARMY, or someone who's just curious about one of the biggest music groups in the world. Come chat with us every other Thursday with a new episode wherever podcasts are found. Hey, it's the Spark Parade. I'm Adam Unz. Thank you ever so much for joining me. This week, I'm chatting with Nick Schiarizzi, who is a founding member of the Cheryl Artist Collective. He also runs a shop and art space called SSHH in the East Village here in New York. He's an incredible DJ. He's a video editor. In summary, a real renaissance man. We had a delightful chat about a few artistic touchstones in Nick's life. John Patrick Shanley's 1990 film Joe vs. the Volcano, which starred Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks. Also, the work of Donna Summer, in particular her albums Once Upon a Time and Bad Girls. And also Canadian rock-slash-glam-slash-disco singer Loris. We also chat a bit about the effects of streaming on the entertainment industry and, of course... Grandpa Unz gets to revisit his gripe about overlong movies. Isn't it nice when you get to hear me complaining about the same things week in and week out? I'm like your town eccentric, shaking my fist at the sun for being too hot. Grumpy, but kind of endearing, right? Great! Now, before we get to my chat with Nick, I wanted to talk a little bit about artists as role models. I've talked a lot about the importance of representation in art on this show, and when an artist is one of the few prominent and successful members of their particular subset of marginalization, there can be enormous pressure to present this perfect public face. The idea being that the token gay person, black person, Muslim person, disabled person, etc. in any given field has to be a scandal-free, perfect example if they're going to pave the way for other people like them to succeed. But the problem with that is that no one is perfect, obviously. People's lives are messy and complicated, and they have personal lives that sometimes become public at inopportune moments. So why should someone's humanity make them any less of a role model? I started thinking about this because I saw Rocket Man over the weekend, more on that later, and it made me think of what a striking, powerful moment it was for me when Elton John came out publicly as a gay man in 1988. He was and is a complicated person. He struggled with addiction and depression and anger throughout his life, experiences that to some people 
could possibly disqualify him as a proper role model. But to me, as a gay kid who was convinced that coming out would really hurt any gay performer's career, to see Elton John wearing his sexuality as a badge of pride and then continue and even build on his tremendous success was a revelation to me. But the fact that his life had been full of drama and all sorts of outrageousness also made me feel that it was possible to be a shining example and an inspiration, but still be able to make mistakes and live your life as you see fit. Expecting perfection from people we admire means in some way that we're aspiring to an unattainable standard of perfection for ourselves. So maybe it's a little healthier to focus on heroes who expose their humanity as much as their greatness. And scene. More than enough of my bullshit for this week, wouldn't you say? Let's get someone else's voice into the mix, why don't we? Without further ado, here's my chat with Nick Skiritsi about Joe versus the Volcano, Donna Summer, and Loris. So, Joe versus Volcano, you said you saw that when you were a kid? Yeah. Did you see it in the theater? Were you old enough to have seen it in the theater? It came out in 1990, so I was old enough. Yeah. Yeah, I think I probably did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What was it about it that you like remember liking or being attracted to um it's funny i i didn't really think of it as a film that shaped me or influenced me or anything until i watched it again about within the last year and i remembered it being a film that was fun to watch when i was a kid and i really liked the three different meg ryan characters and how Mm -hmm. ridiculous they are yeah and when i watched it as an adult with a bit of a bit more perspective on film history or or aesthetics or whatever it kind of blew my mind how over stylized the film is it's like really mm-hmm. hyper like the production design is like everything is way over the top like it's just like really everything's exaggerated in this way that feels like a mix of camp and and kind of i don't know it's just camping over the top in a way that i didn't realize when i was a kid mm-hmm. for a mainstream movie and it was just really fun to watch. And then obviously the like the native Pacific Islander people depictions are problematic now as an adult. I'm like, oh, that's fucked up. But like, yeah, just the way the film looks and the performances just really appeals to the game mindset in a way I didn't think it would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny. Like you know, John Patrick Shanley, who wrote and directed it, is I think as a playwright known for kind of heavy, quite serious stuff. Mm-hmm. But he also wrote Moonstruck, which is like... Oh, really? I didn't know that. You know, campy. Has, has a good balance between being serious and romantic and also campy and over the top. So this was like pushing all of that even further and bringing it into like the visual stuff as well. Yeah. Making everything bigger and, you know. Yeah. Was that also... I think that was the first time that Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks were in a movie together. Probably. Or, yeah, um, probably. Yeah. yeah which set them off on a path of making schlocky romantic comedies too. Do you see a through line with like your, in your taste, like how that movie relates to other movies that you like? Yeah. I mean, I feel like my taste, I tend to like things that are extreme, whether it's like super vivid colors or if it's like over the top, ridiculous performances or just it's depictions of everyday life. They're really exaggerated. Yeah. I don't know. I remember the way that the beginning of that movie looks when he's in his like job and it's like fluorescent lighting. And then there's this shot of like the building and the city behind it. It looks like the whiz or something. It looks like mm-hmm. very fake, but like kind of beautiful. Yeah. 
I definitely find myself drawn toward films that are more beautiful than compelling story-wise. I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. Even though the story in that is nice. It's just like visually really nice to watch. You could watch it with the sound off and it would be like interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's almost like the story elements are really heightened to like the fact that he's kind of a hypochondriac and then the disease that he yeah. thinks that he has is this like totally yeah. makey uppy sounding thing and he really invests in it and is ble- yeah. believes in it and like the fact that Meg Ryan is playing all these different characters and um you know there's all these kind of absurd sort of surreal things happening too it feels like the whole film is like a joke but yeah. it, it does touch on serious stuff at the same time mm-hmm. it works yeah and ends up being you know, quite romantic and yeah. I mean, like, <clears throat> for me, like watching it again, I was like, "This is really good." Yeah, it's it's. I think watching movies like that, and even recently, I rewatched um, "Death Becomes Her." It was just mm-hmm. like Hollywood used to make these really campy films that were like they put a lot of money into how they looked and everything about it was just like a solid package visually. And we just don't get that anymore. Everything feels like there's just like lots of shortcuts and like superhero movies and just like making what's safe, you mm-hmm. know. And back when everyone was going to the movies, like they were able to make films like that. They were just like, let's make this really weird, really campy, really over the top, ridiculous film with like a weird storyline and see how it goes. Yeah. And they just don't do that anymore. I mean, TV is where those things are happening, which is fine. But I don't know. Watching movies like that, I'm like, when have they made a campy film like that recently that's like really campy? Yeah. And the places that you get movies that are, you know, people taking risks or making smaller movies more and more. It's Netflix and, you know, on demand. So it's basically TV anyway. Exactly. And you get like six hours of entertainment, you know, instead Mm -hmm. of like... Why do I need like to watch six episodes when like, you could just do one thing that's shorter and like yeah 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 it's all about stretching everything out right and even in TV I mean I think that is a a trend in movies as well with people who are like you know Martin Scorsese and Steven Spielberg and stuff people who are so well established and considered to be giants of the genre they can do whatever they want and especially people like Martin Scorsese then nobody wants to tell him he needs to make a movie that's a little bit shorter or like Paul Thomas Anderson you know nobody's gonna say "Uh, three hours is a a little long for the movie um and there is that kind of like more is better mentality, but definitely with TV that the push to just like make lots of content for people to watch to keep engaging people. One thing that I thought was interesting, like, did you watch uh, Homecoming, the Julia Roberts TV show? I watched the first episode and then I, I fell asleep because I was tired. Yeah. But I haven't continued it. it. Yeah, it's weird. It, it's good. Yeah. But the thing that I thought was interesting about that is that it's a drama, but it's half hour episodes and some of them are even shorter. It's like 25 minutes and four like a prestige tentpole drama for a streaming platform. I thought it was interesting to have a director who's like, no, we can tell the story in a shorter sure. amount of time and not forcing people to something like fucking the last season of Westworld where the episodes were all over an hour long. And instead of concentrating on telling the story well, and focusing on pacing and keeping people engaged, that it was more about blowing smoke up their own asses and just saying, oh, we can do whatever we want and we have all this money and so it doesn't matter, you know, yeah. we have to stick to our vision and not care about how people are going to feel about what they're watching. 
Right. But yeah, I mean, relating that back to like Joe versus Volcano and movies like you know, Death Becomes Her, I think is even more in the over the top direction. But movies like that that are pure entertainment, but still really interesting ideas visually coming up with stories that are like fresh and new and not rehashing other things or adapting something else or whatever that, yeah, sometimes it feels like with film that is getting rarer and rarer, especially when, like you said, you know, the Avengers, that's what is making money and there's not a lot of room for smaller movies. Yeah. It's interesting just thinking about format. If it doesn't matter where you watch something, why would you want to watch something that's episodic versus just a one-off? And I don't know. It's just like a weird time for movies right now. Mm -hmm. Um, So I find myself wanting to watch things from you know, at least 20 years ago. Yeah. Because it just feels like better. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, yeah, it's easy to say too, because in retrospect, everyone's like, in any greatest albums or greatest films list, everyone wants to like wait until something's aged a bit until mm-hmm. they choose how good it is. But like, yeah, I just feel like now is the age of, you know, what are they calling a golden age of TV? And for me, I, I feel like, it's super anxious and lazy if I just sit and watch a bunch of TV. I'd rather mm-hmm. just watch a film and then, like, be over with it. Yeah. So. And with older films where the standard, you know, there are exceptions, obviously, but the standard is 90 minutes. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah. I was I was watching, when I watched Death Becomes There, I was like, it was, like, so short. I was mm-hmm. like, this is great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big champion of a tight 90. Like, yeah. with theater as well, just... Mm-hmm. Um, it's a big ask to have people sitting down. I know when you're watching things on on demand, you can stop and start when you want to. But yeah. ideally, you want to engage people enough that they don't want to get up and you know make dinner in the middle of it. And right. if it's 90 minutes long and everything's handled concisely, and making entertainment that really engages people and doesn't expect too much of them. Yeah. Anyway, uh, why don't we talk about music? Okay. So Donna Summer, (laughs) yeah, I feel like she has some sort of musical influence over all gay people. (laughs) Yeah, I I think she was somebody that I knew who she was. I didn't really give her much thought. And then when I started DJing and throwing parties and getting more into disco, I was like, wait, there's so much stuff she made that most people have never heard. Mm -hmm. And she was doing really innovative stuff with Giorgio Moroder and, you know, in the late 70s that influenced like, you know, all the dance music that we have now. It's kind of one of those things like people think, you know, with like the Beach Boys, they're like, oh, I know the Beach Boys. And it's like, whatever. But then actually when you get into it, you're like, whoa, this is like just as good if not better than the Beatles or anything else Mm -hmm. it's like you don't really know about it until you dive into it and so with her I was like okay I'll get into this and I was just hooked on it and the the two albums that I liked the most are Once Upon a Time which is like her version of like the Cinderella story Mm -hmm. and then um, Bad Girls which you know aside from Hot Stuff and Bad Girls which are the two like well-known tracks at the beginning of the album there's a ton of amazing stuff and it was I think 1979 when that came out. So they were really getting into like pushing more of the electronic stuff mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. And the, the disco was less instrumental and it was just like really dancey and really good. And sometimes when I DJ, I'll just play like a random track off that album and people are like, what is this? I'm like, it's Donna Summer. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I did a lot of like reading up on her and it was interesting. She was from Boston, which is, I'm from that area. And like, 
she moved to Europe to do like musical theater and mm. she was like a random black American woman in Germany doing musical theater and then started making music and hooked up with Georgia Moroder and ended up becoming this like superstar of dance music. Yeah. And she kind of got her like name as being the woman that sounded like she was having sex when she was singing. Like, <laughs> yeah. Love to love you baby and stuff. Yeah. And yeah. other people started doing that and whatever. It's a little like print to me that, you know, somebody who's famous for having songs that are about fucking basically yeah. and then, and then became like yeah. yeah born again christian oh um, and that's happened to so many people it's yeah. like somebody else i was listening to the other day it was the same thing it's just like yeah this is sort of regret of like, yeah oh i have to be christian now right yeah it's it makes me kind of sad to have that rejection of like throwing out everything instead of saying you know, these are the things that were causing me problems. Like Donna Summer did a lot of drugs and saying I can stop doing drugs and still sing the music that I've always sung that people love. And yeah. there's nothing wrong with that, but she just kind of conflates yeah. the, the bad parts of her life with everything that happened during that part of her career. Yeah. And there were a lot of like rumors about her being weird about gay people, but apparently they weren't true. But I mean, who knows? I, I think for me, I just really like the the music that she made. Mm. Um, there's a lot of stuff that most people have not heard that's mm-hmm. really worth exploring. Yeah. I think that I've always been attracted to pop music and dancey, happy music. And there's a couple artists out there where you're just like, oh, I know them, and you just don't even think about them. But you mm-hmm. actually have to like listen through their albums, and then you'll be like, oh, there's a lot here. Yeah. You know? And her voice is absolutely yeah. incredible yeah just like really distinctive and the combination of that voice and georgia Moretta's production yeah um especially on the bad girls album like you were saying that you can really start hearing his kind of moogie like yeah. signature sound coming through but yeah. it doesn't overwhelm her voice at all it's like it's no, still it's very amazing. much her music but yeah totally totally amazing yeah and he worked with her i think on once upon a time too before he was mm-hmm. into the electronic stuff as yeah, much. Yeah. There's still some synthesizer stuff on there. But yeah, I don't know. I I love disco music and she was you know, she's seen as like the queen of disco music. But yeah, it's just something worth exploring if you haven't yet, because there's a lot to go through. Yeah. And those albums have so much music on them that like they each have like sixteen or seventeen tracks or something. And yeah. It's funny because they similar to what we were just talking about like the more is better idea of tv right now like i think once upon a time the original album cover had like in the corner says like over 70 yeah. minutes of yeah. music yeah 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 it's like ever like more music for your money yeah it's just kind of funny yeah but i think it in in some ways it's nice it's like with albums you can skip tracks that you don't like or if you you're not into them but with a film you can yeah yeah and with these albums that like gave her a chance to kind of show off different sides of her personality and their ballads and stuff on some of them too. Yeah. And the, the cool thing about both of these albums is there's an element of continuous play. So like, you know, sometimes this used to happen with records where like you would have it. So one side of the record, you do it. Each song would kind of flow into the next one. Mm-hmm. And the once upon a time album, I think the first four or five or even six tracks all flow into each other Mm -hmm. so it's like one cohesive thing and she's telling this like cinderella story thing yeah but it's just like 
I've always thought it's just, it would be an amazing thing to like make some sort of visual out of or a giant music video out of because it's like it just keeps flowing. Even Bad Girls, the first two songs, kind of like mm-hmm. lead into each other. Yeah, um, yeah. And you wouldn't know that unless you listen to it on the album. They're two really well known songs, but like, yeah, I just like that kind of like you're gonna li- you're gonna put the album on and you're gonna listen to it. Yeah, and then you like it takes you on this ride. Yeah, and hearing those first two tracks, Hot Stuff and Bad Girls, mixed together like that yeah, makes them cool. feel like they really fit together and like they are, you know, two two halves of a whole. Yeah, they're like um, at the same beat and it just like jumps into the next song. It's cool. Yeah. It's amazing. So, Loris? Yeah, I, I remember um, a couple of years ago, the artist collective I'm part of, we had a like a residency in Manchester, England, and we met a lot of people there and became friends, and we kept going back for years after. And one time when we went back, we were just sitting around the table at this place called Islington Mill, where we always had these residencies and went to, you know, throw parties and stuff. And this guy Joe was like, "Oh my God, look at this crazy disco video I found!" And it was of this like very androgynous looking person with like it looks like metallic makeup and like you know uh, kind of like puffy wig and like a sort of cape is dancing on stage at some disco in montreal or toronto somewhere in canada and is singing this amazing disco song about outer space and it's just like a really good disco song it's the kind of song you hear and you're like why wasn't this more famous so i kind of went into like this wormhole of researching who Loris is and you know seeing someone who was that effeminate at that time who was making music you know, you saw people like Sylvester and you saw people like Loris, not as much, but like, I was just curious, like, what was that like? And what, who is this person? Are they still alive? You know, you assume anyone gay from back then is dead now because of AIDS. And like, I did some research and Loris is still alive and lives outside of Vancouver. So I got in touch with him and we talked on the phone because I was like, I want to maybe make a documentary about you or what is this all about? And he was telling me like, you know, it was really hard back then to be gay and making music Mm. and to be visibly, detectably gay or whatever. Mm -hmm. In the music industry, he had a really hard time and he wasn't really open to doing like a documentary project. But I, I was just like, you made these two songs. One is, one is Disco Spaceship. Mm hmm which is the crazy dancey song about outer space. And the other one is called We Will Make Love. And they're just really great disco songs. I'm like, why doesn't anyone know about these? So Loris and I had some back and forth, but nothing ever came of it. But I've heard of other people since then finding Loris and being like, what is this? And mm-hmm. he's still making music, like, and he's making kind of topical gay music. There's yeah. like an album he made called like Gaydar. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, it's funny to see that not funny, but it's cool to see that he's still making music. Yeah. yeah. And listening to like his greatest hits, the older stuff is feels like kind of like 60s girl group sounding yeah. stuff. Yeah. But the lyrics are absolutely fucking deranged. Yeah. And like... Oh, um, yeah, there's one about like shooting someone, isn't there? Yeah. Um, when Christine comes around. Yeah. That's like, I'm going to smash her face in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then... That's the first song on the first volume of his greatest hits. And then the second song is actually called I'm Gonna Smash Your Face In. <laughs> um, uh, but like, even with totally insane lyrics, really solid pop songs. Yeah, really um, good. 
and really running the gamut of different kinds of genres and stuff like that kind of 60s girl group sound mm-hmm. and then doing disco songs and then some of his later stuff it's kind of like a couple of reggae songs yeah. and yeah, um, yeah yeah but it's amazing mm-hmm. and the stuff that he did earlier on in, in his career i think it's interesting as well that it's like this person who's kind of androgynous like his voice sounds different on different songs as well and sometimes yeah. he really sounds like a woman yes and sometimes you can it's a little more a little more difficult to discern yeah. gender but the lyrics are like with other kind of androgynous disco singers it feels like the lyrics were always a bit more universal and even if the image was either really gay or kind of genderqueer or um, something that was unusual for the time but made them really stand out, that the lyrics would be like less controversial or less um, standard ideas that anybody could relate to. And yeah. with Larissa's stuff, it feels like Still. it's always been pretty fucking gay. Yeah, um, I mean, the We Will Make Love song, he moans like Donna Summer, like he's having an orgasm. Yeah. But his voice sounds like very, like a woman. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's... To have done that back then, you could tell he was just doing whatever felt right to him and probably dealt with a lot of nonsense. The music is great. Mm-hmm. I remember like seeing that album cover for one of the greatest hits things, and it said, like, Canada's former number one dance vocalist. It's <laughs> like his superlative. I thought it was funny. <laughs> but I think he's he's a businessman, and he's very proud of what he's done, and he's still making music. But it's like, yeah, it's just one of these things when you discover it, you're like, whoa. What is this? And it's also proof that there's just a lot of amazing music out there that you have not heard because it wasn't promoted and mass produced. And you really have to realize that like popular music out there is a mix of good quality and good promotion. Yeah. There's a lot of good quality stuff out there that you just have never heard. Yeah. Because it wasn't marketable in people's eyes, you know? Right. Um, I just had a, uh, another conversation with somebody about discovering new music in the age of Spotify. And, yeah. you know, there are still record stores in existence, but they're fewer and further between. And trying to fight through the Spotify al- algorithm to find stuff that's unexpected, because it's all tailored towards like suggesting things that fit with what you already have in your right. playlists and right and what um, if like there's something out there that you don't know you like that has nothing to do with anything right you'll never find it yeah they have like the taste breakers playlist mm-hmm. that is supposed to be like oh this might be something that you would never normally listen to and it always ends up being two degrees different to okay. what i normally listen to so how how do you find new stuff now i mean now i i I was for years just using apple music and then i switched to spotify this year because the discover playlist Mm -hmm. like the weekly thing was actually showing me a lot of stuff i really liked Mm -hmm. and then like being able to access other people's playlists in a way that felt really accessible i don't know i there was like this African disco playlist that I was just sharing with everyone last summer and, you know, just had some really great stuff on it. And I like that they're introducing me to stuff that feels in line with what I already like. But at the same time, sometimes they're like, oh, this is the thing you like. And I'm like, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's it's cool that there are algorithms out there that are like really finding what you want. But one of my favorite things to do for years was just to go out 
and see DJs I liked and and see what they were playing and either ask them what a song was or shazam it or whatever for me yeah finding stuff in a record store hasn't been a thing i've done in a long time Mm -hmm. since we were all like buying cds and stuff but yeah spotify has definitely been helping and just like going to see djs that i'm friends with whose music i like yeah yeah it's it just i'm thinking about someone like larice that finding somebody like that on spotify is like it could show up in a disco like that is it's funny because there was like this one disco song it was like a tallow disco i had never heard by this italian group called plus two i think (laughs) called melody and it had been on like a a a mix by totally enormous extinct dinosaurs Mm -hmm. and then everyone was playing it and i would like hear it out and about but i had heard heard it first on spotify it just popped up in my weekly thing and i was like this is incredible and i ended up making a video out of it to promote one of my parties and that was cool i was like spotify just gave me something i really like yeah but yeah i don't know it's kind of like impersonal too to to Mm -hmm. get introduced to new music through an algorithm but it also is like makes sense yeah you know they can see what you like they can see what songs you start to listen to and you skip over which ones you repeat i guess it's like that combined with knowing a lot of people who love music and want to find new things too and you know they're all getting the algorithms recommending different things to them so hopefully the combination of the technology and people just exchanging ideas with each other will still keep new things coming in yeah for sure i keep you know who knows if spotify and apple music and all these services are actually gonna be around right forever because apparently they don't make enough money themselves Mm -hmm. and then they're not paying anyone anything right and artists are kind of like tired of just working for exposure and needing to tour to get all their money so it is a a cool era now of this sort of legal you know it's like that excitement we all had when napster came out and now it's like a sort of like yeah everything is accessible again but it's like streaming and it's quick and it's legal you just have to pay a subscription that's really exciting but ultimately it's I don't know if it's going to last. It's kind of like the movie pass thing, you know, Mm. like that's over now. That didn't work. And like Spotify people, I was just reading an article about it. Someone was like, they are not making the amount of money that they should be making. And no one else is making money. And like, you only make, like if you have a million plays of a song of yours, you're only getting like a couple thousand dollars. Whereas in the past, like that would have resulted in a lot more money. So I don't know. It's this weird era of like, yeah, we can access everything and it, it cheapens everything in a way, but it's also exciting to discover stuff. Yeah. But there is this feeling of like, I feel guilty not buying stuff. And when you DJ, you do have to buy everything. Yeah. Uh, maybe there's ways to use Spotify to DJ now, but like you buy everything. Yeah. And when you DJ in other countries, especially like whenever I DJ in Portugal, other DJs would tell me like, if you don't have receipts for the songs you're playing, you can get arrested. Hmm. So I've always been good about buying stuff, but it is this weird era of you can get the algorithm to tell you what's good, but it's also like, yeah, I don't know. Is it about just enjoying a song and like being done with it? Or is it about like, no, you should actually go somewhere. You should go to a show. You should meet a person. You should go to a record shop. Like you should have an interaction instead of an algorithm telling you what to listen to. Right. I don't know. But in the same way that everything with technology, everything's personal. Yeah, helps people to avoid actual human contact. And it's supposed to be connecting everyone and it connects everyone in a very cold, um, impersonal way. Yeah. 
I mean, everything. I was having this chat the other day about social media with a friend, and it was just like it's playing on our our impulses as as human beings to be lazy and also be social. Mm. And we're social creatures, and we're also lazy like anyone else is. So it's like I don't know. I live in this big apartment building. I just see so many packages coming in every day from Amazon. I'm like, you live in Manhattan, like, can't you just walk to the store and buy something? <laughs> right. So it is kind of scary that we're discovering everything through an algorithm. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm finding more new music right now through Spotify than I was like for the last couple of years combined. Yeah. So I'm grateful for that. But I also feel bad that those artists are probably, like, getting nothing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like a sustainable model. No. I think film and TV, I, I guess TV definitely and film to a lesser extent have evolved in a way that feels like they're figuring out how to use the new technology and progress with it. Mm-hmm. And the music industry, the people who run the music industry, it feels like they fought against using new technology until it was too late to figure out how to use it properly. Yeah. And I don't know how what the way back from that is. Yeah, it seems like what's happening right now is like, okay, if you go to the movie theater, you're only going to pay to see a movie that's big, like Mm -hmm. an action hero movie, right? So everything has to be a big blockbuster action hero movie in 3D and IMAX, whatever. Otherwise, you just watch it at home. Mm -hmm. And then what you watch on TV is like, the more the better. We're creating all these episodes and they're all available right away. You don't have to wait. There's no commercials. Just pay us $10 a month and we create the content. Mm -hmm. But then with music, it's like, Spotify isn't producing that music. Right. Apple isn't. Actually, Apple is about to start producing their own TV shows. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it is weird. It's like music is still in this weird limbo of like everyone else is still making money Mm -hmm. off of film and TV. Maybe it's less because there's everything so spread out now. But with music, it really is. Yeah. Like you cannot make money. And that's that's what feels crazy about the the difference to me is that it's possible to download movies and TV for free illegally. You know, people don't need to even pay for streaming services, but both of those industries are doing fine and everybody's still getting paid. It's not like they've stopped paying actors because the whatever medium has been devalued by the Internet. And with music, that's exactly what has happened. Like big record labels are still making money. They're not making anywhere near as much money as they used to. And the people who paid for it are the people who are actually creating the product. Yeah, it's really weird. Yeah. I, I, I do feel good that as a DJ, you have to, you can download stuff illegally, but then there's the whole issue of the bit rate of the song and it's not going to sound good on a good system. You should buy everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I generally feel good about like, if I really like a song and I want to share it with a crowd, I will buy it. I yeah. always buy it. Even if the song came out 40 years ago, somebody indirectly is making some amount of money off of that. Mm -hmm. That's better than Spotify. Yeah. And Um, also, like you said, just being professional and making sure that when you're DJing, you're not going to get some bullshit that's like a corrupted file or something that's going to fuck up your set. Um, I think think we covered a lot of ground. Are you happy? Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Good. Um, So if people want to find out about you and what you're up to and about the store and all of that, where can they do that? My store is called SSHH. It's an art space in the East Village in Manhattan. We have a store and classes and events. Um, A lot of it is design and language focused. Um, We have an Instagram. It's SSHHNYC. Um, that's probably the best place. Okay. Yeah. And then you're, you know, DJing around and yeah, you know. I, I DJ here and there. Um, 
my Instagram personal one is my last name S C H I A R I Z Z I at or that's my never mind at Instagram.com yeah basically you won't even nobody will spell it correctly anyway and they'll get lost so I'll just say the S S H H one yeah 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 all right well thank you very much for talking to me thank you yay that was fun. Thanks again to Nick for hanging out with me. Check out his work, please. The videos on the Cheryl website are fucking delicious, too. It's CherylWillRuinYourLife.net. Nick has great taste in music, too, so go to nights where he's DJing if he's DJing in your city. Okay, would you like a recommendation or two? Of course you would! Obviously, because of my rambling at the top of the show, my first recommendation is Rocketman. It's so good. It's definitely more of a magical realist jukebox musical than a biopic. But if you go into it expecting something with a little looser structure and some fantastic elements, you'll really enjoy it. Probably. I hope so, at least, but there are no guarantees in life, friends. Also this week, Jay Paul has popped back up after a long absence with a couple of new singles that are quite nice to listen to, but he's he's also uploaded his leaked 2013 album to Spotify, and I have been listening to it obsessively. Again, I'll post some tracks from it to social media if you want to have a little listen. Also, I really like the new Slater-Kinney single, which was produced by St. Vincent, and it sounds exactly like what you think a St. Vincent-produced Slater-Kinney single would sound like. So check it out. All right, that's more than enough homework for you. Oh, you didn't understand that these recommendations are actually assignments? Oh, sorry, yeah, they are. You can report your feedback on my social media. Clever segue. Follow me, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of them, at Spark Parade. And part of your assignment is to leave me a nice review and rate me five stars. Are you cool with that? I hope so, because it's mandatory. And on that note, I'll love you and leave you. See you next week, folks. Bye. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.